Welcome to Feels Like Healing with me, Al Lewis. A podcast where I talk to artists about how creativity has helped them process their grief. The reason I'm making this podcast is because when I was 21, I lost my dad to MS. That seismic moment in my life made me decide to become a singer-songwriter. I'd been making music before that point, but never considered it a life choice or as a career. However, after the death of my dad, creativity became a solace for me and a way I could express both my joy and my pain. It made me feel alive in the very moment when I was confronted with the ephemeral nature of life and the devastating reality of loss. So I wanted to talk to other people who've ended up in the creative world, but who've also experienced loss, to see whether they have similar stories of why they got into creativity or whether they were already creative people and just happened to suffer grief. I hope during these conversations that I will come to better understand grief and why it makes us feel how we feel and do what we do. This is Feels Like Healing. This week on Feels Like Healing, I've got an old friend joining me all the way from North Wales. His name's Oz Gwynedd, Owen Gwynedd. Shimai Oz, you okay? Doing my bad, I'm not bad, thanks Al. Yeah, no getting through <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining me this week um first of all i like to ask my guests to do a little introduction tell the listeners who they are what they do yeah so uh i'm owen gwynedd uh i've been probably doing music since about 1999 when i was about 16 um i've worked in telly and also uh been an Carpenter. <laughs> a carpenter? Carp- yeah, I've been a carpenter for five years as well. Um, semi-retired from that now as well. Uh, and I still do music, but gardening is my main hobby by now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, I think, yeah, like you alluded to there since 1999. I was thinking back before we had this chat about when I first met you. And I think it was about the year 2000 when I think... Was your band called Aran Hukoil, the amazing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the incred- the Incredibles was the <laughs> the translation we used. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, we were probably both in school back then, weren't we? Doing gigs in um, in North Wales, and uh, yeah, those were fun times back then, weren't they? Yeah, which gigs? It was Swallow Falls, I think. Yeah, yeah, in Did we do Swallow Falls together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a magical venue. It's a shame that's not running anymore, really. But um, yeah, it's like it's a baptism of fire when you're that age, really, isn't it? And it, do it. You you make music and then you perform it live, and it you just take that for granted until you're, you're our age now, I think. And then um, yeah, back then it was just fun. Now it's a bit more serious. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, th- to give you a bit of uh, backstory, this sp- this podcast, I started it because basically I wanted to talk to people, creative people, about um, their relationship between their creativity and, and their grief and to see whether there was, a, there was some sort of connection. Because for me, I lost my dad when I was 21 and for me that was the the springboard to make me want to become a musician. Um, Like we've just talked about, you and me were both in bands in school, but I'd never really considered it as uh, a career or, you know, anything more than, like you said, just a bit of fun. But um, when I lost dad, it sort of made me think more about what I wanted out of life and 
who I wanted to be and and so I felt like music was the thing that was calling me the most at that time um, and so I wanted to know from other people um, what their experiences has been so maybe you could tell us what your relationship with grief is and creativity and where it all started for you yeah so um the first band I was in, Niran Hukkoil, I had no real experience of grief then. It was um, I'd lost my grandmother probably, but I we weren't that close. Didn't see her that much, but I remember seeing my um, father upset, but didn't really understand it. And then when I was nineteen, by then I was in um, I wasn't in a band anymore. The the Iran Hukkoil, the Incredibles, had come to an end. And then uh, yeah, so I was nineteen or. It was only a few days before my 19th birthday, really. I, I lost my brother to a car accident um, when he was 26. Um, and didn't really know what was going on at that time. It was just, I, th- I think I remember three solid months of um, what wanting to stick my head in the sand is the best way I can um, explain it. Not wanting to... Acknowledge reality, uh, probably pretending that it hadn't happened, and then you get you have these sobering times. Then when it when it hits you, um, so music-wise, the f- the first album. Uh, uh, sorry. So subsequently, after losing my brother, me and my mates decided to form a band, and in the meantime. Uh, around losing my brother I'd started to write some songs it's so so much of it is subconscious I was gonna say did you realize that you were doing it because of that reason because no some no you didn't not, nah not at all it's so much of it's subconscious and the words that come out sometimes I don't, I'm I'm really unsure even today if you start writing music and then you attribute meaning to the words you've written <laughs> Or do or do you is that what comes out because that's the way you feel? I think it's I think it's the latter, but um, yeah. So probably half of the new band who is called Frisbee's first album is just dedicated to my brother, really. And I I, I didn't realize it until we were releasing it, and some of the words kind of oh yeah, that's about that. Oh yeah, that's about that. So when you were starting this band Frisbee from from the off, did you did you guys? think that you were doing it as a career or was it still a bit of fun what what was it for you at that point it was definitely fun at the beginning but um we put a business plan together with my father that's what his work was he was a business consultant so we put in the first year i remember we put a business plan together even though we were having fun we we thought of an end goal which was to kind of tour the uk on our own backs so we'd we'd go and find the venues and and um uh, ask for gigs and we'd kind of play for free and we'd, we worked out that we needed 10 grand to do that so we we gigged around Wales for a couple of years and then at the end of year three we had this £10,000 we thought we're going to we're gonna do it and then the drummer said that his, his missus was <laughs> his partner was pregnant and um, we kind of thought oh so we can't really go around the UK for a year Gigging, so we decided not to, but we had another then successful couple of years um, in Wales, and probably did everything there is to do in the Welsh language scene, and then um, that that came to an end. But it, yeah, did you did you tell people back then 
when you were you know releasing this album you just said that half of it or you know maybe more was about your brother was that ever in your music bio did you ever mention that no it's only recently i think um i don't know i've all I've I've always I've always admired artists like a song that is too specific for me will turn me off a little bit um, unless it's some kind of political song or something like that. But if it if it's only to that person's experience, so the words of the songs are quite vague, and I I I'm weary of telling people too much what the songs are about. Um, just in case it tarnishes a bit of their experience of the song. So if they want, there's some of the, it's a lot of people at the time, I remember having a, a smile about it, a lot of people at the time thought we were a pop band and that was a love album, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love songs. And I was like, yeah, whatever, if you want that, that's okay. But that, I, I, I think people so. people have a tendency, don't they, to assume that any any talk of love or loss in any type of song that is maybe pop, they think, oh, it must be a, a sexual relationship love, and it's it can yeah. never be anything else, isn't it? It's, it's a, weird. A loss is a breakup, and yeah, yeah. yeah it's a... So if we if we to go back a bit, and um, so you're you're in Frisbee, and uh, you just lost your brother. Did you did you feel like you would you were being driven by this grief i mean it sounds like you know you had your head screwed on you guys with your you had a business plan it was like were you acknowledging the grief um or like you said were you just burying your head in the sand a bit what what was going on with your relationship Uh, with your grief at that time a little bit of both i think um the the two other people in the band o's and j's helped me you know what you need sometimes at that time is just a close-knit circuit and that it's way overstated to say that the family fell apart but the family was never the same so it it was hard to talk about him it was easier to talk to that's that's the best way to say it It was easier to talk about him with my mates rather than my family because we'd all break down too easily and it was like years after him dying that I could really talk about him in a in a positive way, or in a positive ways that that made made me not want to cry all the time. Yeah, which yeah, is, which yeah. is also fine, but it's just kind of no, it's it, not it, what you want to do in a normal conversation. I think what uh, that's a completely normal thing for people. Not I realize now that that's what I was doing is I I didn't want to bring it up because of the. I didn't want the awkwardness as well of whoever I was with talking about it to see you see someone cry and you feel awkward and embarrassed for them and it's it's a hard place to get to isn't it to be able to talk openly and not be feeling overcome with the emotion isn't it I I used to have a friend that um lost her father when she was young and she she always made the joke of the thing and her close-knit circle of friends would make a joke about losing his, her father as well and everyone who encountered that just kind of recoiled and go, oh, God, you know, you know what, what are we supposed to say now? But I suppose that's just one way of coping with it. The other way yeah. is not to talk about it. Um, I don't think any of it's healthy, but it's you do what you have to do, really, not yeah. to... But that's great that, that, you had, that you had your bandmates to talk to, isn't it? That they that you were able to just open up to them. Yeah, I remember always saying all the time, um, 
Anthony Lloyd Williams, uh, my brother's name was, and uh, I always used to say all the time, Anth would love this when we were out and about. He'd say Anth would be really supportive. He'd he'd love because obviously it was about it was around the time of the first band, and he was very supportive. And he and he would have been totally chuffed with the way Frisbee turned out. And it, it's kind of it kind of drives you on um, keeping his memory alive, I suppose. Um, I'm a sucker for any film, <laughs> any film that deals with loss in that way to to remind you of keeping your memory alive. And it's quite a poignant one, actually. There's a film called Coco. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Oh, is that the Disney film? That's the Disney film. It's based yeah. like uh, around the um Spanish or Mexican festival of death. Yeah. And it's and they turn it into a positive thing where um, the message is if you remember a person, um, then they they live on basically. It's um, so they they put a picture up and they have a feast on this. I'm not sure if it's around Halloween. I mean, this might be totally wrong. It might be me or something. But they have a feast around. Um, the, Deus de Muertos. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're and right. Then think if you're right. if the picture's there. Then the memory's there, and then the the spirits can join the people in the feast. Is the idea? So, um, but it, to me, that's just a, a a simple idea of if you remember someone, then their memory stays alive. I suppose. Yeah, and I think that's um, you. It might be different for you, but when you when you put someone into a song, that's another way of keeping them alive, isn't it? Because that song will live forever, and therefore their memory will live forever that's kind of how i look at it as well do you agree definitely yeah no definitely that's that's a hundred percent um i'm thinking about it as you get older is what you leave behind isn't it it's the stuff you leave behind he was great with my um sister's children so they were they were about three four or five when they when he died but he was so good with them they still remember him so he's, he's left that what, it's, it's what you leave behind is the positive things you do while you're here that gets remembered, I suppose. Oh, that's lovely. So, um, you know, you said that you put those songs out, you didn't really want to elaborate much on what the songs were about. Um, so after that first album, did did grief still crop up in your songwriting? Because how many more you did... How many albums with Frisbee? So two? we did another two albums and an EP. Um, yeah, I suppose, suppose it crept up, not as much. So life was happening then, so I'd have been between 19 and 24. So that's when a lot of things happened for the first time, I suppose. Proper love, um, falling in love and all that. So it didn't crop up as much. But I remember a guy telling me just after I'd lost my brother and it was a, it was a cracking thing to say, but I hated him for saying it at the time. Um, a guy came up to me in the co-op and said, "Sorry about your brother," and he said, "I lost my brother when I was young as well." And he said, "Don't, don't, don't worry. You'll never forget it." He said, "Or you'll never forget him." And I, I was really angry at the time. <laughs> I was like, "I want to forget that all that happened." And um, and that as time went by, I, I realized what he was saying. It's like um, uh, you you can get guilty for forgetting about someone or not thinking about them that often. And, um, yeah, he was saying, don't worry, that won't happen. And I get it now. It's, it's, it's more... 
and and when the big gigs came, he'd pop into my head and think hey, he might have been there, you know. And because my because my sister used to turn up to every gig, <laughs> she she would make sure that she had like backstage and stuff. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, kept kept and her children sometimes came backstage to the more raucous gigs, which was funny because there was like ten, everyone drink, <laughs> drinking and having fun backstage. Yeah, it, I I totally get what you're saying about wanting to forget because um, I was the same. You know, I I didn't want to talk about dad, and I sort of wanted to bury that whole thing and just carry on with my life and want the I wanted I always wanted the music to sort of stand on its own without talking about it because I felt like maybe then people would pity me or something. I don't know. Did you feel like that? Maybe that you know you didn't want to bring this sort of this idea yeah. yeah to it you just wanted the music to be the music and if people liked it for what it was then that's mm. okay but um but now looking back i realized that maybe I, I should have been more open but probably i wasn't ready to be open then and like you said time is is a great healer in in giving you that strength to maybe just open up a bit more isn't it i suppose what we were we were probably not ready at that point to talk about it, and now we are because you know we're we're older and understand it a bit better, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but also when it happened to me, so this was two thousand and six. I mm. I don't think as a society, I don't think we really spoke much about about loss, and and I, I still don't think we talk about it enough. But you know, loss and mental health and how it affects you. I mm. mean, it's a lot more vis- visually. Um, around now don't you think yeah definitely social media has made a, a big difference so um i so i lost my brother at that time so the next experience of loss i would have so, so frisbee had finished um i wasn't in a band for a period of five years went into telly to work for a while and then so the next experience of loss and people don't i people do but it's not enough, I don't think. We we lost the baby, so miscarriage. And it was only like, I don't remember, I think it was four or five months along. But, um, yeah, so we, we lost the baby, and then me and my wife went into a massive rut, and we were basically depressed all the time. And the reason probably we were is because things kept reminding us of the fact that we lost the baby. Friends would post images of their newly borns on, on the internet. And stuff. So social media, I think, has put it front and centre, so you can't escape it. You can't do, I suppose, what we did. Because, um, you know, Father's Day comes around and it's there in your face. You can't kind of... Just turn everything. Well, you can, but it's not. I don't think that's healthy either to turn everything off and just forget about it. So that's that's a, a big one. But funnily enough, it's not funny at all. <laughs> but the way I personally got over that was to kind of write, and it's turned out to be the most successful song I ever wrote. But it was like I need to get out of this funk. And I wrote a song that was kind of talking to my wife, acknowledging that our life was very good, even though we'd lost a child, uh, that that child wasn't going to get born. 
our life was good and we could do anything we wanted, go on holiday uh, or whatever. And the song's the most upbeat song as well <laughs> written. But it was kind of snap out of it is a song yeah. to kind of say, right, we've got a snap out of it. And that was called Sibonavi. And it's, yeah, it's the most popular song I've ever written as well. I'm a with my And isn't that funny, like how I've, I've found this talking to other people, you you try and take that darkness and that sadness and flip it on its head and make something joyous out of it. That's that's the beauty of creativity and art, isn't it? It's like taking that sorrow and trying to, trying to find some light in it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of dark humour in that as well. In that song I wrote... Um, we're all demon pre that in a pendra. We're all compost in the end. <laughs> Which, I love that line. I love that line. But is is true? Is like yes, you go through bad times and bad experiences, but it's nothing unique, unfortunately. And I suppose that's the problem with society. I, I, it, I don't know, there's a Welsh book, um, you know. Oh yeah, obviously, you know, in Nos they used to lay the bodies of the dead people out on the kitchen table and and they'd kind of have people come to not it wasn't to pay the respects it was to look at a dead body and children used to be encouraged to look at the dead body and that's that's one thing i, I didn't do was see see my brother dead because we were um uh, invited to see him after the car crash, and I didn't want to see him. But um, I remember my mum saying he wasn't there, and that that's that that's something I pondered afterwards as well. Is what is a person? I know that that gets deep then, and <laughs> to to the point of what is consciousness. But if you can tell that someone's not there, you can tell that someone's there when they're sleeping. It might be micro. It might be just that you notice that they're breathing, or, or you could. But it's to me, it's probably I can feel something like an aura or like a soul. They say, don't they? The body loses some some sort of amount of grams, don't they? When someone dies, and they say D- that's your soul. They don't know what it is. Is it? Is it yeah. like a wow? There's a, there's yes. a film called I think it's Nine Grams. Um, and they, yeah, there's some weird thing that happens when you die. You instantly lose nine grams of weight. Wow. That's cool. I mean, yeah, but I remember mum saying he wasn't there. And then, um, so unfortunately, later on in life and recently, um, I lost uh, my brother to cancer within within like three months of a diagnosis. And then my father, I think to COVID, but it was the December before COVID hit, but all the, all the, all the symptoms of what he had feel like that. So I, I saw him dead and I saw my brother dead as well. Um, and I, and I can confirm then that it's, that's just, they aren't there. And it's no. really, it's, it's really, I'm not spiritual at all. And I think whatever it is, is explainable, but it's, it's, is quite the magical strong word. But it is quite, it's weird, isn't it? I, I remember seeing my dad's body and yeah, like just like you said, they're not there and it's it's just 
a, a physical thing, isn't it? Like you said mm. about you know we're all we're all compost in the end. It's, it look <laughs> it just looks like a thing. It's it's not them. And uh, and what what has happened in that in that flick of a switch is is weird. Mm. But um, in the book, I, I just remember thinking about that. That that's healthy. It seems really wrong. And I suppose there's like medical. <sighs> Um, problems with depending on what the person died with but it's something that he used to do and I suppose kids would have had some kind of trauma but then an acceptance yeah. of of death yeah. um, probably a little bit healthier of an acceptance than we'd have now older people still get uh, what's the word upset it seems as though they, they understand it more I think we've we've become we've sort of pushed death to one side, haven't we? We've like you said, almost like we don't want to touch it. We don't want to touch the subject for fear of I don't know it'll contaminate us and make us all feel sadder than we already are. But um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it needs to, it needs to be talked about because, like you said, it's going to happen to each and every one of us. I, and I don't know if you're the same though, but some of the best times I've had have been at funerals. <laughs> like you know that is a weird thing but you're right sometimes yeah. it, it it's a lovely thing isn't it just to be able to celebrate somebody yeah although i did watch a curb do you watch curb your enthusiasm i don't <laughs> yeah, know if you ever watched yeah. and the, uh, larry david throws a, he throws a funeral for him and his mates because <laughs> his mate's not dead but he's like why 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 is it only dead people that get people uh, saying nice things about them? So this guy goes upstairs and like wants to listen to all his mates uh, saying nice things about him. Then he comes out, surprise, I'm not dead. <laughs> I've seen that, yeah. Is, is it, isn't it, like there's a service you can get that's, um, is it humanist? So they don't do a religious service when you're dead, but they kind of celebrate you and tell jokes about you and kind of, uh, I'm probably more attracted to that. I never had it with any of my relatives, but um, I think I'd prefer that that people celebrated my life rather than because so at the wakes after the funeral, so there, there's this massive weight off your shoulders, but also it's kind of family people that you don't choose to be with, but they've got memories of, um, they've got memories of the person who've passed and they're all different memories that you might have not heard for years or uh, at all and it's really nice to have that I think especially with my dad dad because it, it was kind of you think you know your dad better than anyone else but there's a massive chunk of the life before you arrived yeah. that you kind of know nothing about and some of his mates were at the funeral and there were some naughty stories and stuff and that was fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah I found that it really I think this is one of the reasons why I'm doing this now as well is that I've now reached the age that I remember my dad being which is really weird for me so he had me when he was like 30 I think and then so and my and my first memories are from when I was about five six and I'm like that age now 36 37 so these, this is the age now. So physically, I'm sort of seeing him more than I've ever seen him in my own face, which is really weird. <laughs> and uh, you know, if I if I grow some stubble out, it's like oh my, it looks more like dad. And in a weird way, that's really comforting. But then it's it's also like yeah, like you said, you you see your parents as an adult rather than as just their child, and that's that's really weird. And 
and a different experience. But yeah, we get sheltered, don't we, from the tough stuff when we're young, I suppose. So all the all. Or people used to try. I think even that's the barriers are coming down with that now. It's it's better to tell your children what's going on so they can understand. I suppose without, you know, inflicting too much trauma. But yeah, I I definitely the same. I I see my brothers facing mine more than I ever used to. Um, my dad, I see bizarrely in my son. So they have so, Eban would have been. He's seven now, so it would have been four when my dad died, but they were close. Tidy and him were close. But I, I don't know. Again, I'm not sure if this is him picking up traits when he was four, but he sits in the same way <laughs> and he kind of puts his tongue in his cheek in the same way and stuff like that. And I, I'm thinking that might be genetic. That might be something, you know, passed yeah. on or something he's picked up when, when he was that young. So I don't know. Yeah. But that, I find that. Do you find that comforting? Oh, I, I, yeah. I like it when you when you see when you see that. Um, again, it's like like you said, it's that circle of life, isn't it? You see something passed down. It's really nice. Mm. So after Sebonavi in am I right? Like twenty fourteen was that? Yeah. As you said, one of your most successful songs, if not your most successful song, and until now, is this the first time you've talked about that? The, openly to tell like do people know that that's what the song's about or funnily i talked about it in a focus wales panel with sarah howells <laughs> did you oh. and, she, and she was really um intrigued by it because some people who know sarah um she writes really melancholy songs bride is kind of a melancholy rock type thing and she was talking about that and i just kind of it was only then that I remembered, I think, that the song was about that. It yeah. was like I'd, I'd just written the song. It was so successful. I was like, oh, forget about it. It's about it's doing well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then um, when she was talking about this and she was taking talking about sometimes it can make it worse that you write a song that's sad and it you know kind of cement that feeling. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I actually made myself feel a bit better <laughs> with the song. Um so yeah, no, I, I I remember that I've said it a couple of other times, but it's one of those moments where people go, "Oh, I don't know what to say now." Yeah, <laughs> but it? have you have you gone gone to that well of grief since then for for songs? Like you mentioned that you sadly lost, you know, your brother and then your dad as well. After that, have you used that that pain in in songwriting since Sabonavi, or is that the last time you did something? No, it was the the, um, the lockdown came in March, and uh, the me and the guys from the band got together over Zoom and we wrote a song, and it sounds like it's about lockdown, but it was totally about losing both of them really. Because so we we'd only just about started to properly grieve my brother when my father died, and we'd. We'd done some things, which was nice. We'd done some things as a family after my brother died to make the most of life kind of thing. And dad was the one who said, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do all we can. So we had a really good summer. So he died in the March, and then we had a really good summer, and then my father died in December. So afterwards, it was like... I wasn't going to see... I couldn't see my mum at all. We were so confused about what COVID was. Um, it was obviously safer to not see her, and she was in. She's forty miles away in Fastinjog, and it's pro- 
it's about her. She's got long black hair. She's sem- she was seventy one at the time, and um, so she- I wrote a song called Derindi. And it's it sounds like the the black the blackbird. Yeah. It's actually called the Muyalchen in Welsh, but we do use the term there in D as well. I was just thinking about the fact that we weren't going to see it, and then again trying to get a message of positivity out. The message of the song is everything is going to be okay, and it was, and it kind of fitted in with COVID as well because um, there was a lot of Welsh people singing "Dau Eto Hailar Vrin" at the time, and it's 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 a great Welsh saying. The sun will rise again tomorrow is, but it's a bit more poetic, and that was the sentiment. So, and so. This sounds like I'm trying to shoehorn the title of this um, podcast into this question, but is so is is music healing for you? Not just not just my own music. I I, um, I dealt with the loss of my f- first brother. I was only nineteen. It only started kind of drinking properly at the time, and I I went on like a three month bender. There's not there's no other way of putting it. I'd go out midweeks and. All sorts, and it helped me at the time. But one of the things I'd do as well is I'd have a few beers at home and just listen to Bob Dylan specifically, and um, other things as well. But it was kind of just me and listening to music and being able, I suppose, to attribute whatever I wanted it to mean to a song. So it's kind of yeah. So yeah, even now if I get a bit. Um, Nostalgic. I'll I'll stick some because Dad taught me everything I know about music as well. He introduced me to Bob Dylan, Chuck Berry. Um, my heroes are his heroes, and I've noticed as well that I'll probably be doing that with my own son. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so um, I've added a few heroes of my own to the mix, but um, I, I I don't think knowing a song is about actual loss that matters that much. I think it's just that uh, the song means something to you. So, yeah, definitely music is... is it? What I suppose what I mean more as well is, like, the 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 act of writing the song. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that, is that he, still healing for you? Yeah, the creative process, and I got into gardening a lot. Oh, yeah. So I used to... I saw I that on your have, Instagram, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have... Um, a little garden at the back of my house, but now I've got a big vegetable plot and I find parallels between writing music and growing a vegetable. But it's yeah. good. You put some passion in, not not a lot of creativity, but some. You can do a some because um, there is a... There is, I suppose it's exactly the same. There's a way of writing a song, but if you ignore that, you can do it in your own way as well. So it's like, like that and nurturing something and... I think they've proven it. Um, your hands in the soil produces the same 
chemical reaction or a hormone in your body as I think it love. Really? So, yeah. So it's it's um it's a weird one, but it's it's the connection to to Earth, and you have time, especially here. I have time on my own there, and I'll. It's not like do you know if you're in a house and you're on your own in a room, you feel like you're locked in a little bit. Mm. And then when when you're in the garden, especially for me, I feel like I'm not locked in my head. I feel like I'm part of the whole mm. thing, whatever the thing is. Yeah. Um, a bird will come and eat a worm next door to me because I've just <laughs> you know turned over a bit of soil. Um, the the neighbours will pass and say hello or something like that, and it's just yeah, being alone but not alone. I think and because being alone with the thoughts, I think that's one of the things that maybe people get wrong is like oh we need to give them time to grieve uh, uh, yeah but with you please <laughs> yeah or or with just being there for someone not you know just don't not having to talk about it but just having someone around in case you do need to talk about it i suppose or or just sitting in silence isn't it you don't i think people think that they have to come up with some magic phrase or magic uh, thing that they can tell you that'll make you feel better but mm. i suppose you're not looking for them to make you feel better you just want that connection with like you said with just another human being don't you it's not about them having the solution because there's no solution to grief and loss is it? it's just no. a, a a journey and um that we all have to go through yeah I remember my mate ask, asking me to come with... I, it was different kind of loss, but I'd just broken up with my girlfriend, which is she kind of... It is loss in a way as well, but I was kind of really down and out and out about it. And my mate said, I've had enough of this, come on. And he gave me a, a Tupperware box. And I was like, oh, what? And then he took me to like an old abandoned railway station up in San Vestinio where blackberries grow. Oh yeah, and we, and we just went blackberry picking for an hour, and he said, "You're not allowed to talk about your girlfriend or your ex." And an hour did it for me. I was I was, I was pretty much over <laughs> over the whole experience. And Gav and mate was like, "Do you feel Do you feel better?" <laughs> uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm totally with you with the gardening thing as well. I've just recently become an owner of an allotment. Uh, yes, and uh, and yeah, it's that thing about putting care into something and and like you said about everyone's got their different way and i look around and everyone's got their different technique of how to grow their peas or their courgettes or whatever and it's it it is a labor of love isn't it and um and like you said there's that feeling of being at peace there peace (laughs) well peas and peace (laughs) i'll i'll lots yeah oh yeah i'll lots at peas It is. It definitely is. I thought I've just I've just noticed there's something else as well, which is you're producing something something for others to enjoy as well. So yeah, yeah. So there's there's that as well. I don't I don't know. Is is um I'd love to kind of bring a community into. Like, I, it kind of happens here. We're in a small little cult. It's like a dead end. It's not a cult. It's like it's a dead end. But there's about five or six houses, and we we all kind of I, I take a veg box around, and they they give me kind of scraps from the gardens so that I can make my own compost and stuff like that. So oh, nice. there is a community feel to it, and I, I love that bit as well. So looking ahead now, um, what's your what's your relationship with grief now? You know, you know, as I was saying, sometimes the words just come out, and 
I think if I get flawed by grief again, it'll just come out wherever, where, where, wherever or whenever I'm writing, that might come out. So no, I wouldn't write it off, but I, I, I don't make a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit down to write an album about it all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just scrap this, scrap this album. <laughs> all the best of that though. No, um, but uh, no, I think that could, that could probably help as well. But um, no, we still writing but we it's actually the the point of that is that for the last few years we've kind of been writing together as a band as well so the four of us have input um you know we've we've all lost people but it's kind of uh it's it is more of a personal experience so i don't, I don't know what whatever comes out comes out um on the writing side but my experience so the thing I tell people most, because especially when they've lost someone, it's, it's one of those things that you can't call someone selfish when they lose someone. But you can explain to them that they're not the only one who's lost someone, but in a positive way, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah. So the, yeah, yeah. I remember when I lost my brother, I used to get angry at people who'd be material or who'd get angry because they'd bang their car in or something. They're like, it's only a piece of metal and, you know, you've got your health. But now it's kind of... A, channel it in a different way that all you can say is everyone experiences loss differently and every loss is different as well and you may deal with it in a different way so um obviously i don't want to lose anyone else but i know it's inevitable and um when it happens i know there's a tomorrow after every every loss isn't it none nothing is so bad that things don't just carry on it's like we especially after having children you notice that life's kind of like a um a massive treadmill that you can't get off um and you wouldn't want to either because every now and again something pops up and makes your day or your year or your life i suppose um i'd rather stay on the treadmill and keep going than anything else well, that's a lovely place to, to end it, Oz, and uh, um, I'll join you on that treadmill. Nice <laughs> I'm looking forward to the album, I'll... <laughs> I'll make sure not to send you a copy, Oz. Diolch o thanks a lot. Cheers. Owen Gwynedd's brand new single, David, is out now and available on all streaming platforms, and there are links in the episode description to all the songs I used. Please make sure that you subscribe and rate this podcast as that will help to spread the word about Feels Like Healing. Thanks for listening.